Welcome to Naked Comedy. This week, our guest is the lovely and interesting and vivacious and other adjectives that mean good but could probably be used better for a girl comedian than a guy comedian. Jackie Cation, she's been on Comedy Central Presents, as well as she has her own podcast radio show called Freak? Dork Forced. Dork Forced, yeah. Did not forget. Dork Forced. Um, and so now I'm going to take you to the interview that we recorded um, about a week ago in the Winchells across from the M-Bar. So enjoy. I swear to God, every three months I'll meet like five new comics, ten new comics, and three of them will be fantastic. And you're like, why have I never heard of you? And they're like, well, I just got here from Chicago, or I used to live in Atlanta, and so it's cool. Yeah, like I never did stand-up, I just kind of started doing that. That rarely happens, where they're fantastic and they just started doing it. Yeah, that's pretty rare. When uh, someone goes, yeah, I've been doing it for about a day and a half, and I am amazing. You should come and see me. No, I know it's a learned skill, but no, no. No, I'm just a natural. It's beautiful. Anyway. Well, no, you should check it out. It's this Thursday, and it's at the Hollywood Farmer Cemetery. They have it actually in the Masonic Lodge, which is really cool because it's like, it was, I guess, where the Masons had their uh, burial services. Okay. So there's like five. Do they still? Probably, right? I don't know. I mean, like, it looks Who's renting out the Masonic Lodge to do stand-up comedy? Or they, is it guerrilla comedy? Are they just doing it? No, no, no. Um, Natasha and Duncan um, are, I guess they know the people who kind of run the, the cemetery. And they mm-hmm. wanted, They were like, they're like, we want to do a show here. And it's just, so I don't really know who else. So there's like an altar? And you they do it on the altar? Actually, no. There's five, like, king's chairs. Okay. That you can tell are really old. And then it's just like a cathedral kind of building with a yeah. bunch of movie posters and um, there's posters. like an upside down star that hangs from the middle of the building. How can a star be upside down? What's the, like the satanic star, you know, where it's like... With the pentagram? Pentagram, yeah, like the, the pentagram, it just kind of okay. hangs in the middle of the building. Okay. It's a really interesting space. and It sounds it. It sounds yeah. like an awesome Halloween show space. Yeah, it's, actually, it's one of those spaces that whenever you go, like if you've seen the comedians that are performing and you see them there, you can tell that there's like... A weird aura about the building, you know, that like empowers people or freaks people out. Like one of those two. It can throw. It can throw. It can, the vibe is weird enough that it can throw the comics. Yeah. Or they sometimes. can totally get into it. Yeah, they either really get into it, or they're just like, like one guy was like, I have to get off stage. Like I can't, I can't do this. And you can tell it was for real. And you're like, wow. Right. Crazy, but it's it's really cool. And, cool. Um, yeah, Natasha's gonna do this one. I think Sarah Silverman's going to be at this next one at 80 miles in them. Mm-hmm. But they get, like, really good comics for it. And it's always, like, a fun kind of, like, family show. Because like, when I think family show, <laughs> <laughs> I think Sarah. And, uh, I think comedy family. I feel like... Well, oh, comedy family. Oh, yeah, there you comedy go. family. I see. Family too. Right, I, I was thinking maybe Lassie. and uh, <laughs> But I'm 112,000 years old, so... <laughs> That'll happen. For listeners. Just For the listeners, just so you know. Did everyone watch Colbert Christmas? It was fantastic. <laughs> Speaking of comedy that we like. Other people's comedy that we enjoy. The work of Stephen Colbert. I always feel like a lot of times my interviews have a section where we talk about other comedians. Right. But like in between the getting to the meat of the comedian, you talk about everybody else. You're just like... Well, I mean, the thing about comedy is that is comics mostly just sit around and talk about other comics. I mean, that's the, that's the best part about... For me, for stand-up, is hanging out with other comics, talking about, you know, and I, I tend to do a, a lot of. Do you, have you heard? There's a guy in, 
in Seattle who does this joke, or there's a guy, you know, have you heard this, this woman does this amazing joke about that, and, you know, because you're just talking about regular things, yeah. and then the, a story comes from it, and it's usually great comics. Yeah, I've been doing that a lot with, um, like, 7-Eleven, 9-11, for some reason that line thing has been coming up through a lot of the comics I've been talking to, so I've been, like, retelling horribly that Zach Galifianakis joke over and over in almost every one of my interviews. Uh, have you heard it? I have should not. I tell you? You should tell me it. <laughs> there's a, an Indian man who's coming to America, but he gets his nines and his sevens mixed up. So this is like a character thing. He's like, I'm going to open my own 911. That's, that's mm-hmm. a joke, but it's a lot funnier. That's a joke, does it. and Zach does it really well, yeah. and uh, and I vaguely, I haven't seen Zach in in a while. He's always great. He just recently did UCB. Mm-hmm. I don't know when the last time he did it, but he did it there, and it was phenomenal. I actually went to go ask him, like, to talk to him about doing an interview, and his bit was, like, it was more like performance, you know, than, than even, it wasn't even stand-up, it was, like, a one-man show kind of thing. Like, spoken word, kind of? Not even. It was just like, like he brought up two people from the audience and just started talking to them. And oh, okay. It was like, I really can't put it into words. It was just, it was amazing. He broke a chair and he made out with a guy. And then, but it's the dude is that guy is gutsier than anybody. And it's funny when they try to put him in. You know, like, because the thing he wants, what it feels like, and I don't know him that well. I mean, I've met him around and stuff, and he's great. But um, when I watch him, I can tell that he's doing something. He doesn't want to just do stand-up. Yeah. He wants to find something inside of himself. Yeah. And he's not just doing it for shock value, which is why it works, you yeah. know? It's it's like Sarah, you know? I mean, yeah. Sarah does, you know, some of the stuff she does is shocking and all that stuff. But I genuinely... I'm not saying that she doesn't like to shock, but I don't think that that's the motivation for the yeah. material. When a lot of sort of, like new comics or or old comics who are just copying those guys don't really get what they're doing. Like Zach, seriously, he likes to dig around inside of his psyche and find the most uncomfortable thing that he can think about and then talk about it. And that's that's amazing. That's what it ought to be. Take something really comfortable and turn it into something almost horrible or you're almost disgusted by it but you need to keep watching and it, I don't mean to like connect like compare him to like the watching a train wreck thing it's not even like that it's like well I've seen him I've seen it not go too and and it doesn't go because of what he's doing yeah uh, because of the the place where he gets to that he makes himself go yeah I rarely make myself go there <laughs> so I mean my stuff is pretty I mean I talk about I try to talk about stuff that's real to me, and I try to do that, but I get scared if I start screwing around with my, you know, I'm like, I don't necessarily want to tell you, but I have, you know, I have a couple of stories that I tell, and I have a couple of things that I'm addressing that are like that, Yeah. but they're, it's nothing like the stand-up that he does, no way. What's though, is like, I, you, I like your stand-up, it like comments on stuff that's just like really funny, and it gets to little like niches of community as well as like, you know, bigger communities kind of things. Right. Um, but like the way some, like I was on your website with the whole North Platte thing, Yeah. I heard you tell that joke, and I thought it was really funny, but mm-hmm. I didn't think, you know, anything of it, and then I went on the site, and I was like, what's in Platte? And I didn't realize that like these people had taken it like... Super seriously, yeah, and like, and and the letters keep coming. I haven't updated that page on my website in a little while, but and when I say a little while, probably a year, because I can't, you know, because every time the half hour airs, 
um, they didn't air the punchline on my half hour special. They didn't. No, I saw they they do the whole joke. Yeah. But then they don't, but just not the very end where I describe why I hate North Platte, Nebraska. And it's, it's the the punchline is because there was a man who thought I was someone he knew. And so I was standing at the bar. And this is a variation of the truth because I was standing at the bar and this guy thought I was someone, he thought I was his wife. And he thought that I had somehow not followed his directions so he like is walking towards me thinking I'm his wife screaming at me who said you could get out of the truck <laughs> and I'm like are you out of your tiny lizard mind because I'm never going to be related to you because you're horrible but anyway but it was the beginning of a terrible evening yeah. so but the, all the setup of the joke is how much I hate North Platte yeah. and then it stops <laughs> and it never I never tell the story online on the on the show so every time it airs I get like four emails from it doesn't matter if it airs at like three in the morning or at eight at night yeah. or at nine in the morning yeah. it's always four emails from someone from North Platte going yeah well fuck you you know or um, or yeah you're right it sucks here what's weird and, is that like a lot of people like I don't know comedians like a lot of them talk about how shitty towns someone. are yeah some town and it's not like a personal thing it's usually just like comics are on the road they experience different cities and and some every and some of them suck, and everyone has a joke about a town that they hate. Matt Weinhold, I don't know if you've ever seen him, San Francisco comic, fantastic by the way, Mr. Matt Weinhold, MattWeinhold.com. I believe he has a new CD that just came out. Anyway, uh, so but he he does a joke on his CD, and I've seen him do it about how much he hates Reno. And uh, I don't hate Reno, but I haven't had a bad experience in Reno. I, I've had, you know, and so that's the other thing I do on the North Platte page is I put a link to my hometown, which is as shitty as any other town in the world. And you can hate that back That'll if that'll hook you up. It's very strange, though. I mean, I don't know, especially because, like, is it just that, like, they don't have, much, like, anything else to complain about? I mean... Oh, there's nothing to complain about North Platte. The guy, they did an article about me in the North Platte Register or Herald or whatever it's called, Gazette. And it's owned by this guy who was like, I loved that joke. This town blows. Could we please? And and so, and that's linked, I think, or at least a transcript of it, yeah, yeah. along with a lot of the comments from the people in town and yeah. my sister. Uh, so the, uh, but so, and then, like, I think about uh, two years ago, I got a call from the uh, North Platte community, like the woman who works at their community uh, services yeah. place, and she's like, hey, the Chamber of Commerce is having a Christmas party. We were wondering if we could hire you to do a show. And I was like, are you kidding? I don't, you don't want me to come to North Platte and make fun of North Platte. She's like, yeah, we do. It'd be great. And I was like, have you talked to the Chamber? Have you talked to the city? And she's like, no, I think it'd be a great surprise. And I was like, yeah, and then I'll be killed. That's not a great surprise for that's me. Kind of, that's also kind of the scary thing. Like, you know there's always people that, like, when you're performing, they don't get your jokes, or maybe they don't like the jokes or something. And then there's also people that like it. And then it's like, when do you cross that line into not liking it and being just, like, straight up, I'm going to hurt you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've had it. I've had people, I've had to, I mean, I do the road a lot, so... I don't do as many of the gigs where you have to get walked to your car after the show, but there's some there's some gigs like that, and there's also uh, shows where where they don't they don't get the jokes, and then they come up and they're like, 
you know, there's this stock stuff about people who heckle and then they think that they helped. And then there's this one woman, very nice woman. Uh, She was coming to my shows four times a year around the Midwest. Mm -hmm. And every time, for like two years, yeah. And maybe three. And every time we saw each other, every time she came to the show, she would want a picture of us. And like the 10th or 11th picture, I was like, are you making a, like a flip book of the aging process? What the fuck? I was like, what the hell are you doing with these pictures? And then I didn't want to know. And then I got uh, a Christmas card from her in uh, the mail. To my house. Well, I'm listed. Good people of KCUI or whatever. Well, every, every, I mean, the thing is, is... There's no reason why I shouldn't be listed. My mother came a couple of years ago. She came to Los Angeles to visit her sister in Huntington Beach, California. Did not call me all weekend. I call her the next week, and she's like, oh, I was just there. And I was like, I live here. Why didn't you call me? And she said, I didn't have your number. And I was like, I'm listed. You know my name. You know what town I live in. And it was, I mean, I was actually quite furious. Uh, but I'm, I've obviously gotten over it. I'm not going to open it. I don't want any weird donuts, like Christmas donuts. They just they got Jimmy's on them. They're awesome. I don't know what's in those things, but they make them all much better. Did you buy them here at the Winchells? I did buy them here at the Winchells on Vine and Fountain. Or Santa Monica, in between the two. We are in between the two. We're closer to Vine, though. That is Chinese. It looks like right. It looks like a like one of those dollar Chinese. If there's something that I could say to the radio public, don't eat dollar Chinese food. More than half the time that I've been in LA at like a dollar Chinese food place, they're usually pretty mean. Like I was at one and I was just like, I want the barbecue chicken and steamed vegetables, and they gave me spicy bar- spicy like king salad pork and like the beef and broccoli. I was like, that's all I ordered. I can't put it back. Like you know the Chinese. I can't put that back. Right. I have to buy it now? It's yeah, a dollar. That was, that was the rule. Like I had to I had to purchase it. I've screwed it up and now you have to <laughs> But then luckily it was cash only and I didn't mm-hmm. credit, so I just walked out and, yeah, and then I, I didn't go back so Yeah, never eat at a dollar if it's a dollar for a plate full of food, unless you are at a shelter, uh, don't do it. That's gonna be my vote. My vote for no. Uh, sometimes I mean Oh, right, right. Oh, the chains where it's a 99 cents meal. <laughs> Taco Bell at all times. It's true. The co- and I'm, I'm, on, I'm on board. Do you? It's a good one. I, uh, it was given to me by my brother as a gift. Very nice. And I, I kind of like it because it's a mole skin for those of you listening. And the nice thing about it is that it lays open. You don't have to... Oh yeah, yeah. It's pretty nice. They're uh, they're good. Notebooks. Cool people have them. So you're obviously very comfortable on the radio. You have you have your own radio show called The Dork Forest. The Dork Forest. I do. A long time. Um, We have dozens of listeners, and uh, two years uh, I've been doing it. And my co-host just left to do his own show that dozens of people will also listen to. And uh, it's you know it's the internet radio thing where everyone can do it. And um, yeah, yeah, and and it's super easy. And and this thing is fantastic because 
literally every it's like a conference call and they record it for you and then all you have to do is upload it and tell people about it who hosts it it's it's with blog talk yeah blogtalkradio.com and uh, if you go to the uh, dorkforestradio.com it, it, the website just points right to their blog talk my yeah. profile page on that thing it has a list of all the guests that have been on it it's, oh yeah dorkforest.com has a sort of an our mission statement yes. and uh, <laughs> I'm also working on a Dork Forest expedition show oh, where really? it's a video oh, really? where um, where we've we've shot two of them we've only edited one and they're you know they're only they're viral size so yeah. they're three minutes and we go to somebody's house and we see their dorkdom and then we play. Oh, and it's fun. The first one we did was a sword dork where I learned how to sword fight. And we learned about his sad, sad life as a, as a, as a guy in college who wore a sword around campus. I've known at least five guys who have swords. I have a sword, but I've right. always swapped me. And do you wear it out? I, it actually doesn't have a strap. It's like a Japanese katana kind of Okay, okay, so sure. It would be a little bit of a strap. He had a weird rapier thing, and he said that he would meet girls that he liked, and he would pull it out. And I was like, that's incredibly phallic, and I bet you not that successful. Have you interviewed the airsoft guys? No. Those, I've, met, I've dated a few, but I've met many more. Now, what is airsoft? Airsoft is... It's a sport. Um, is it like nerf fighting or no, something? No, no, no. It, okay. it involves guns, but they're not real guns. They're airsoft guns. Okay. They it's like a pellet gun, but the pellets are plastic and not metal, so it's like safer. So, and it's, uh, it's like a mix of pellet guns and paintball. Right. Because you get dressed up and you go to these like airsoft, or you just go to the woods, whatever. But right. You go to one of those and you just shoot each other. And it's like you get more and more guns and like. It's usually mixed with World War II. It's like World War II fandom and airsoft are usually... Okay, so they, are there World War II airsoft games? No. Uh, guns? Guns? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, no. It's like they sell all kinds of guns in airsoft form. Right. Um, and then they all look really realistic. Like, right. And so Which like, means that they could get gunned down by the police at any yeah, time yeah, if they yeah, pulled yeah. them no, out. it's not safe. And so a lot of these guys, like I would know, in college, you know, they have them and like... Um, I would just be hanging out with them. They'd, I knew they were like, it's airsoft. They'd be like, you want to see my gun? I'd be like, okay. And they'd just have this like, huge lifelike. Like, I saw that with a army gun, and I was like, I think they're cool, but it was weird to see one almost in person. See, the thing is, is it's mesmerizing. When somebody loves something that much, that's what the Dork Forest is, is yeah. where you're just like, I... Oh, but, uh, I'll tell that in a second, but... That I mean, that's the cool part of it, is that someone like... It's like Comic-Con, is yeah. when you go... The commitment alone is fascinating. and But when it's a gun commitment, it goes on this weird line of like... A little bit scary. It's a little bit scary, just because I they know it's... They're all adults, right? Everyone's grown up, everybody knows that it's a game. But do you know? I mean, is I mean, there's got to be a Kukasaurus Rex yeah. that plays, and, and who's going to snap? And there's something that's there's, weird, about, especially with the gun thing. I'm sorry for everybody who is gun who's, who's all gun crazy. Like, I'm gun crazy. I love guns. Yeah, I need to shoot shit just as much as the yeah, next person. But the creepy thing about them is that, like, almost everybody I've known who's an airsoft person is also World War II, you know, buff. And so, they're normal people, but at the same time, you can tell that part of them wants to go back to that, like, romantic era. Of that they think? II. That they think, yeah. That they don't really add it all together. Like, you know, in my mind, I'm kind of like World War II, death, 
and, and danger. And rationing. Yeah, and, and, and just, constant fear. Not fun. Not like, fun. It's like, it's like the people who loved, I hope the people love Newsies because we're going into another depression. Yeah. So I hope it all works out. I have a victory garden. On soup, tin foil, we can all have a big bar of it in our basements. And, but the, the, the guy that called a couple of weeks ago, probably a month ago, and he was the first one I had ever met. And I've met many different kinds of dorks doing this thing because they come out of the woodwork. The airsoft thing sounds cool. I mean, it sounds like a really fun thing that I'd love to do. But um, this guy, he was really into uh, pro wrestling, which I was like, okay, so you're into pro wrestling. And he said, well, it's more than that. He's probably 22, 23 years old. He said when he was 11, he uh, started at the backs of wrestling magazines. You could write, you could create a character, like a D&D character. You could create your own pro wrestler, fictional. And then you would write fan fiction. You would write a story of his backstory. And then you would send $3 to the, uh, to the thing in the back of the magazine to register your guy. And then you would get assigned bouts with other kids who had done that, or other 45-year-old men rocking softly in a cracked mirror, whatever. Uh, so everybody sends three bucks in. Some moderator assigns you a bout. You both find out about it through the mail. You write along how you think the bout will go, fan fiction, mail it back, I think with another three bucks, and then um, and then you find out who won. Oh, so nothing ever happens. You just... No, it's just all, it's all, it's essentially a writing, yeah, it's a writing exercise. Isn't it weird? And now they, now it's all on, um, it's like, he calls it fantasy wrestling, like fantasy football and fantasy baseball. Except for that it's more fantasy than anything because he has to create the character. It's like, it's like a combination of, I forget what it's called, it's like poetry songs, it's like, in the back of these magazines, usually in the Midwest, they have like um, this ad that's like, "Have your like, are you do you have musical talent but don't have the instrument? Like, yeah. We'll produce it, so you can send in your poem with like hundred dollars, and they'll oh, get really? like some studio bands, whatever, to like play play it out, like write music to it. Like you don't have the music, you just send it home. They write music to it, they make it a song, and they send you back like their CDs over twenty or how many ever you order. Wow! And so then you're an artist, and it's like, but the thing is, um, the show that's on right before me is called Brown. Um, yeah. They had a night where they played like all those songs, and some of them are really, really just <clears throat> should never have been made into a song. <laughs> kind of thing. Like there was right. one that was like my magical penis. That was, um, and it was, it wasn't even dirty. It was just very demented. You know what I mean? Was it just awkward and creepy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. it was kind of like um, a lot of early comedy, a lot of early stand-up can be like that, where you're just like you don't know what because nobody knows what to talk about when they first do stand-up, and you know you're supposed to write your own material, and you know you're supposed to keep it real. But you don't know how to make the things that you laugh about in your life funny for everybody else. So you end up writing really creepy jokes. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not saying that rape isn't hilarious, but uh, I've literally heard, like, two funny rape jokes in my life. So, And I've heard thousands of them. During my first open mics, my closing joke was about 9-11 and my experience. For or against? No, 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 not against. It was like okay. my experience on 9-11. Right. And it was like... That's what you closed on. That's what I closed on. And, and this was in 2002, 2003? This was like, you know, this year. Like, it okay. Past, you know, it was like to talk about. Sure. It was just very... Because my 9-11 experience was just like... 
my mom listens to a lot of like, political radio, you know, like all of them are always on the ground. Talk radio? Yeah, talk radio. Like, the liberal talk radio. But, okay. Like, it's always on. And so when 9-11 came, I was just so used to news being around me and me not listening to it. Right. That I, I blanked out. Like, I woke up, my TV was on, and I was like, why is my TV on? Like, and, like, we were in the car, my mom was crying. I'm like, why are you crying? And she's like, don't, she didn't say anything because she was, like, too Worked up about it, yeah. like, like I didn't know what to do and right. so I went to school and finally when I got to school our teacher was crying too what grade were you in? I think at that time it was like 8th or 7th grade okay they're not too young they're not too old and then she was right, like right. you were like 12 or 13 yeah so. yeah and she was just like class we're not going to do our homework today and I was very pissed because we had a test and mm-hmm. I stayed up really late studying and I was like fuck this and she was like and like some people looked at me because I was like what? and I guess her brother had been on one of the planes so oh my god! Like, I need to stay in contact. We're just gonna watch TV and watch like the coverage. Yeah. And then I finally found out about it. I was like, oh, I feel like a dick. Like. Right, right. Like, yeah, yeah. That was my closing joke for a while. Right. But then it just. <laughs> oh, there's something there. I'm not saying there's nothing. There's, yeah, it's, I think it's funny, it but it's. It seems to be. It's. Out. Yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, I like to start with a nice, three to four minute premise. And then hone it down over the course of like two years. <laughs> it's it's very funny. Uh, um, I actually I left a because the two guests on my show this week are Matt Weinhold and Mike Schmidt. And Mike Schmidt used to be the co-host of Jimmy Pardo's podcast. Yeah. Never that funny. And I left Mike Schmidt. I'm a little long-winded. Let it just be known to the public. And uh, so I left him a very long message, information about the podcast this Thursday. And uh, he emailed me back and uh, like five hours later and he said, Hey, you know, I would have emailed you sooner, but your message just ended. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I'm a little chatty. Yeah, we just need... That's the... It's a weird balance of storytelling and cutting it short. Yeah, you got to tighten it up. got to tighten it up. But, um... So not only do you do the radio show, oh wait, but you're not just talking about dorks on your show. You are kind of like your own kind of dork, right? Because you sure. I the thing is, is I'm a bit of a chameleon in the fact that whatever you want to do. I mean, I'm not much of a bowl of keys kind of lady. I'm not a swinger. If it's creepy, I'm not doing it. But uh, but if it's if it's like like I never like the only thing that I did before like I met my husband and everything was uh, I was I was big into video games and science fiction mm-hmm. and Lord of the Rings and you know so I I read a lot of science fiction and some fantasy and mysteries I would actually read anything in English that was fiction that was handed to me that was free so um, but since you know since I married my husband and he's a video game designer um, and it's not it's not that we play a lot of video games. It's because he's a game designer, everything's a game. He loves all game, right? Yeah. And so we play board games, we play card games, we play, you know, I he, he does the live-action role-playing games. And uh, you know the, uh, the live-action yeah. role Like, he'll dress up, you know, like a kook and, and, uh, and go play. And it's all it is is an adult play date, as yeah. far as I can tell. I've never done them, but they seem... It's, it's a cool. yeah, it's a costume party with yeah. game dynamics, you know, or game mechanics, and uh, and it's it's fun. I um I did my first one this year because seriously, if people are like, well, we're gonna go do this thing, do you want to go do this thing? And you I'm like, do I'll do it. I'm I'm a good sport. See, the problem with me is that I will be insane. I'm like, I'll be that guy or that girl. I'll be that girl. It's like, hey, you want to do this? 
And everybody's like, no. But I'll I still know. do it. Right. Yeah. Well, which of course you should, because, you know, if nobody else wants to do it, you should definitely still do the thing you want to do. But when other people ask you if you want to do it, you're a good sport. And you're like, I'll try that. I, I might not hate Listeners that. be open-minded. Exactly. Here's here's the game that I, I, I don't enjoy very much. That uh, And I, because I play, I am now in a game of Dungeons & Dragons. My husband is the game master, and uh, there's four of us, this and we... Oh no, it is Game Master sounds it, but uh, all it means is he writes the yeah. story. And so and then it's like a it's like a uh, board game. Y'all yeah. sit around a table and you make decisions and he makes decisions on the fly of how that affects you. It's yeah. sort of a write your own adventure kind of uh, book. Yeah, like my understanding of it is that the dungeon master writes the map and then like kind of decides like depending on if you decide to go like left or right, if there's like an evil spirit or like an elf Right, right. That's that's the basics of it, and then and but he's been doing it since he was like eleven, so he's been writing these games and playing other people's games for that long as well. So his games are really simple, which is nice, but also really interesting because he doesn't and and all of the people that he games with. He went to UCLA, and um, he was one of the original members of some science fiction club there. A science fiction club, not some. It's called Enigma. And uh, and he still hangs out with like 40 of those people. Oh, wow. Right. So it's been 20 years since he graduated from college. And he told me when we got married, he said, we're never leaving Los Angeles. I'm never going to find anyone who wants to play games to be like this. And so like last weekend was Thanksgiving. And we spent Friday, he spent all day Friday, I spent Friday night playing board games. All day Saturday, we played Champions, which is like D&D, but is a hero system. So it's got, like, superhero powers or, or technological. It's a, it's a different kind of system. Yeah. And there's a lot more math, and so I hate it. <laughs> and Because uh, the math is not my forte. It's not my, yeah. it's not my, my thing. I, don't, I like video games, but to me, like, I have... I really like video games, but they have to be, like, I don't want to say cute, but I mean, I mostly, like, I have uh, Stone Knight 64, so I play all the games that have Mario in them, and then right. all the games have characters that are kind of designed like Mario. Okay. Like, I have Perfect Dark, but I just can't get into it. Like, the only... Did you ever play Spyro? I have played Spyro. I do like that That's one. adorable. That one is adorable, and mm-hmm. I like that game. Yeah, yeah. And, like, um, online multiplayer games, I, I used to play MapleStory all the time. Like, okay. Very cute. Like, they're the yeah. characters, but it's, like, killing and stuff. But All right. the only other one I really like is like uh, Counter Strike. That's my one like hardcore. Oh right, but I'm that not is nearly as hardcore. Well, as here's the thing is, is I only play uprights. I only go to the arcade because, and we have almost every system because I, but I can't possibly turn it on because then I'll achieve nothing. I will literally sit in front of the Wii or the PS3 and and lose my mind. Yeah, so. Have you tried it or? I've tried it and I'm just like, because, I mean, there's games and there's exercise that are games. Like, right. I would never, I'd be stuck. But right. if I haven't gotten that, I haven't gotten, I used to be really, really, really into Dance Dance Revolution. It was right. my exercise and my passion. Right. But I only played it at the arcade because it, like, helped me limit, you know. Right, right. Like, my family and I would always go to Taco for, um, they had, like, a tenure up there. Right. And the Harris Casino always had, like, a. Only, a kid's arcade. Yeah, and the only DDR that was like 50 cents. So while my parents were at the arcade, I would just do that for hours and hours. And, and hours. Like, I tried to regulate it. Right, well that's, I mean, and, and you know, I play Guitar Hero and Rock Band and all that stuff. But the the last game I tried to play on the PS3 
two, I think it was, was Prince of Persia. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Sands of Time. Yeah. And uh, the problem is, is the joystick is a learned skill. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. you have to sit there with it for 12, 13 hours, and then it's fine, piece of cake. Uh, I don't want to invest those 12 hours, it turns out. So I have a DS that I travel with, and, uh, and I have, um, you know, and I, I play a lot of Zelda, and I play, um, I like the Fire, fire Emblem. I, oh, that I was had, great. I like Zelda, but I got stuck during, um, like a few years back, there was that Super Zelda that was like, there was a blue version and a red version. Was um, it Link to the Past? No, it wasn't Link to the Past. It was, um, it wasn't, um... It wasn't played, for the Ocarina. Game Boy, right? It was for something else? It was for the Game Boy Advance. It was before okay. DS and stuff. Right. And, um, it was like a few games after Ocarina of Time. It was still okay. like following that, like, thunder. Okay. Um, but I got stuck somewhere, and I just, I refused to use a... Um, Game guides, you know? The walkthrough. So I just, yeah, so I just stopped. Like, I other, like I would play it, but I feel like I need to finish that game, and I can't finish that game, so it's like, <laughs> I will never well, finish that game. the thing is, 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 you know, I like, you know, most of my fan base are, um, there's people who are really into sales, because of my dad's stuff. I do a lot of stuff about my, my parents and my dad being a salesman. And then there's a lot of gamer guys who text me or, you know, who I am in are like, you like video games? You should go to this website. And I'm like, yes, yes, I should, if I wanted to do nothing but do that. And, and it's fantastic. The amazing thing about how much I, I mean, I like the games. I'm not any good at them. I am not. And that's what's great about the uprights is you can keep shoving money in a machine and you will eventually beat Time Crisis 4. And that, me and my buddy Joe Wilson did it. When it came out, we, we each put in 20 bucks. Then we each put in another ten, and we beat it start to finish. Time Crisis is one of the one of the classics. I it's do a good like one. The, the kind of like more retro games too. I kind of have a thing where I like Final Fantasy. I've heard you know all all my gamer friends just like they love it. They're like you need to play, you need to play it. Especially when Final Fantasy Seven uh, came out. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like I have this thing where I can't start at seven. I have to start at, at one. At one. So I started playing one on this um, like emulator online. Right. But the problem was. If, you, if your internet connection broke, or if you had to go to another page, you couldn't save your game. Like, it's right. like you could. It's a, you couldn't. And yeah. here's the thing about... Think of Final Think of video games like High School Musical. <laughs> if you miss the first one, you'll be able to catch up. Mm-hmm. You could play Final Fantasy VII. It would I be could, okay. I, just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel right. It's your OCD moment it's where my, you have it's to... It's thing. I have to do it all. I can't just do... You don't want to do, do it? It's like with my show. Like, my goal is... Like, I don't know, like, I, I don't know how long it's going to go on, I don't have any, like, end time in sight, but my goal right now is, like, okay, I have to, I have to cover L.A., and then I can, like, I can't move on to New York or any other place until I cover L.A., like, that's right. my thing, so I'm going to be here for a while. Right. <laughs> but, um, okay, so we are coming up on half hour, but there's something I really, really, really need to ask you. Okay. I was reading some of your articles on ComedyFilmNerds.com. Ah, yes. And I'm sorry, but... Clockwork Orange. Are How you kidding me? Have you not seen that movie? Have we talked at all about my dislike of tension? I don't enjoy tension. And so Clockwork Orange, Creep Factor 12. But do you like Stanley Kubrick? Like, how can you no, no, I don't like Stanley Kubrick. And I got nothing to prove. I d- good thing about me is that my sense of self does not stem from my love of different movies. But nobody likes Overboard, and I do. So, uh... What's- it's a crappy, crappy movie that no I, one should like. I do like crap, 
I mean, I like my one of my favorite movies. It's always on my list. Is Night at the Roxbury. Like that is a crappy movie. But, but the thing is, is you were probably like that's that's exactly what Overboard. Overboard has Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell in it. I've, oh, I have heard. And of that. it's terrible, <laughs> but it's fantastic when you're 11. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it's like it's because there are. I have you know I know a lot of people who like I love the original Star Wars movies. Now the three new movies that came out, the prequels, the people who say that they enjoyed them, if they are over the age of 11 when they first saw them, they have, I have no pity. I have no pity for their sense of judgment because they're, they're just jackasses. I feel like they're lying when I talk to people like that. Like, they, they want to not... Like they want to be, like, some sort of hipster like, thing? No, like, they have an allegiance. Like, they're friends with Lucas, and if they said that they didn't like the new ones, that he would come after them and be like, what's up, dude? You know, like, that's the kind yeah, of... Yeah, Lucas is laughing all the way to the bank. I know. It's, it's a, him and Spielberg, it's fine. They're all good. I mean, I don't think they're yeah. going to weep softly because we don't like their shitty movies. But, happen. yeah, they will. But I yeah, still... Yeah, like, and the th- funny thing is, is, like, I read The Lord of the Rings probably every year, mm-hmm. and I love The Lord of the Rings, and I love the movies... But not as the Lord of the Rings because of the discrepancies and because of my my anal retentive uh, dorkdom of the Lord of the Rings. Now, I own all of them. They're fun to watch. But um, whenever I meet somebody who's a huge, like, man, Lord of the Rings movie, the best movie ever made, I'm always like, yeah, well, it's no Willow. I don't know if you saw Willow, but uh, Willow, use the wand, Willow, use the wand. Terrible. Val Kilmer? No. Val Kilmer? I think so. It was uh, essentially Ron Howard made a movie that ripped off Lord of the Rings <laughs> and Dark Crystal and every, like... I think I heard about that one, like, in reference, but I have not... I've super not fun. A lot of hitting. Awesome. Monsters. Good times. I mean, I mean it's cool. I Bit mean, of a like, love story. There's some horseback riding. I don't know what more people want out of a film. Know, but but you enjoyed The Clockwork Orange? Now, when you say you enjoyed it, talk to me about... Do you want to watch it on Christmas Day? What do you mean you enjoyed it? I, first off, have you read the book? No. That it, it's a, first off, it's a really great book. It's one, of, it's a, it's a thriller. But when you read the book, it's almost like when you're watching something really kind of demented, but interesting. Like not to the point where it's like you need to turn off the channel. Right. But that's what it's like in the book when you read it. You're kind of like you're really intrigued. It's so out there. You need to keep saying what it goes, and then it finishes. Is it some sort of post-apocalyptic no, 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 uh, no. dystopia kind mm-hmm. of thing? Or? Well, no, I mean, like, the way the society is, it's kind of, it's a little bit of a police state, but not, like, <laughs> like not, the thing is, the way that the police handle, like, because it has to do with, like, a criminal, mm-hmm. so in that sense, it's a police state, because the way that they deal with criminals is much more, you know, out and, there. Right. But the actual society is just, like, a regular British society of, like, 1950, like, that's, right. so it's, like, that kind of dichotomy. And then... The weird thing is, it's just like it deals with messing with the mind, like because the main thing is that. The so they capture this guy and then they sort of do well, mental like, torture. Or? No, no, no. He's like, um, he's like a hooligan, you know. He like beats up people. He has like little gangs, but they're not like robbing people gangs. They fight with other gangs. It's kind of weird. Um, and so little he jets gets, and sharks, little West Side Story. Okay, like that. Yeah. not so much dancing, but so he get, the leader gets caught because his little gang turns on him. He gets caught by the police, and they um, implement this like new way of policing, which is you take the criminal and you desensitize him. Not desensitize. You make it so that he can't. When he thinks of violence, he gets sick. So they make him watch um. violent. 
like violent images, like movies and stuff. Right, right. And make him watch it to the point where he gets disgusted physically. Like, like smoke an entire carton of cigarettes, yeah, 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 kind that, of thing. That okay. Kind of yeah. And so then he gets sent back out into society, but everybody else is still the same, and everybody else remembers what he did to them. So it's kind of like karma comes back to get him. But now when they're beating him up, it's not only like he's getting his comeuppance, but he's also like throwing up and saying like he just can't. It's too much. Right. And then there's ending, but I'm not going to say that. But. Oh, spoiler alert! It was made in 1968. Whatever, seventy-two. Like an eight-year-old, like listening. Who then? Who then will never get to see it? My mother ruined uh, um, Citizen Kane for me when I was about twelve or thirteen. You know what? Family Guy ruined Citizen Kane for me because I I had meant to watch. It was one of those movies you know that you need to see, and like that's what they say. The hundred top movies of AFI. I tried to see them all. I actually can't watch anymore because I I'm a film major. And there were five different classes okay. where that was like a thesis yeah. movie. Right. You had to watch this and came and Jeez. write a thesis on it. And so now it's like drilled in. But so right. by the time he saw it, I had already seen Family Guy. And I was like, he's like, you know, it's a sled. It's a sled. And then I was like watching the rose. But I was like, yeah. And then by the end, I was like, this, fuck you. Like, I'll tell you, though, um, I just saw it. I had never seen it. And um, I was not an, a film major. I was a poli-sci major, Southeast Asia. So... Uh, when I saw movies, I was I was able to just see them, you know, yeah. as opposed to film majors who are watching them as films. Yeah, you know, you're you're examining them from so many different. When I first moved here, I had the hardest time trying to talk to people in LA about movies because you'd be like, "That was a fun movie," and they would say, "Well, you know, some time around, you know, twenty minutes in, they should have resolved." And you're like, "Wow, you're gonna have to." From, like, doing yeah, if you could not ruin. Uh, Con Air for me, that'd be fantastic. Con Air, one of the worst movies. I actually saw that one twice in the theater. It's actually, uh, <laughs> that's so true. Whenever I go home for holidays, it seems like my parents and I always like go to see a movie until we do, and we always oh, see right, right. like a shitty movie, like we just saw Four Christmases. Oh, right. My thing in my little like because you've seen too many movies. movies. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, it's just that like when I come out of it, you know, my dad will be like, that was really good. I really like it. I can't. I have to cut it down. So I just like I have to break it down for them and just be like, you know, because like like it's set in the Bay Area that movie, right? Right. Um, and we're from the Bay Area, and he'll be like, oh yeah, I bet they filmed in Martinez. I was like, Dad, that's not Martinez. I'm sure they filmed in LA. There's no way that whole cast would have moved up to Northern California where there aren't like they don't have the same facilities. Like I just like, just like okay, that's well, and that's totally just weird family <laughs> dynamic where you're like, Dad, I know things now. You don't know things. I know some stuff. Yeah, it's just a family thing. But yeah. I guess that's true because I like one of the reasons I do really like Clockwork Orange is from a film standpoint. And that's mm-hmm. why I like Stanley Kubrick because I'm a really big cinematography buff. Like I, I love movies, but I really like movies that look good. Right. And, like that's one reason I really like uh, Night at the Roxbury because this is like a little film nerd thing. But like every scene, there's mm-hmm. something purple in it. Like okay. that's, you know, blue, that teal color and that purple color of the suit. I don't know if it was intentional, but every scene has one of those two colors. And it's I nice. Know. Did you buy um, necklaces and, and earrings? And we don't. Uh, no, we sorry. don't. No, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, um, but yeah, so that's like, I guess for Clockwork Orange it's the same thing. Like, I really like it because the angles that they use and different kind of set stuff, that, that appeals to me more than like, like, just the movie is good, but that brings it a whole other like, awesome angle. Yeah. Um, okay, and so then I guess my last little bit that we'll cover before we end tonight is um, I see you performing for the troops coming up, right? Oh, right. I'm going to go to Iraq with uh, Scott Kennedy's tour. Yeah. Uh, in February, from the 1st to the 12th. How is that? I've never, I've never talked to you about 
to a community who's going to like actually go out and perform it? Like, how do you, how are you preparing? A bunch of comics I know have done it, and I've been offered a couple of different tours. Um, None of them with the <laughs> like the the Drew Carey USO. Yeah, you know, here's a giant bag of money that I'm supposed to donate back to the USO. This is uh, just a very basic where they fly you there and then you fly around in Blackhawks four times a day and you go do um, to like li- little camps. So there's just a couple of hundred guys that are just sitting there, you know, <clears throat> waiting to go on patrol or waiting yeah. to do whatever. And I have never been, and I n- have never. You know, when when I was first act, asked, I was like, no, no, what are you, nuts? There was yeah. a reason I didn't enlist. Yeah. And uh, and then I, you know, and then I thought about it. I was like, those guys could use to see someone normal. Yeah. And I'm pretty normal <laughs> when it comes down to it. I'm not, I'm, I'm a little weird, but I'm pretty, you know. And I've heard they, their most, their entertainment is usually video games, so they're probably... They will, and then I'm going to bring some some game. Like my husband's company is going to donate a bunch of games. I'm just going to bring them and 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 give them games. And I'm going to bring some T-shirts and my and some comedy CDs and just give those out. Yeah. And I have a Ranger of the Dork Forest T-shirt, and I have a vision of an Army Ranger wearing a Ranger of the Dork Forest T-shirt. <laughs> that's uh, that's funny for me. And uh, <laughs> so, but I think that uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I I think it's going to be incredible. Everybody who's who's gone has been like. The guys are so grateful to, to see anybody, you know? Which kind of reminds me, I did 10 weeks in Australia, and we would travel around to the tiniest... You know, Australia's the size of the United States, but it only has 25 million people in it, and we have, you know, 320 million yeah. people. So Australia, not crowded. So when we would fly around to these tiny towns and do stand-up, everyone from town would come to the show. So it would be like maybe 600 people in town. Almost every single adult was there. And they were, ha- I mean, I'm, I do stand-up, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy with my stand-up. But literally, they were sitting there going, you could say anything. Please say, I've been talking to this guy for 23 years. If you could just talk to me. And that's how I feel like the troops are, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I, I support the troops finding other work. Yeah. It would be excellent if the troops could find maybe a war where they knew who the enemy was, and they didn't have to meet every nine-year-old going, I wonder if that kid's an enemy. And so it'd be nice if there was, like, you know, World War II, everybody wore nice outfits. Everybody, like, if they all had, like, a, a reason, like, a, a dress. Like, I, I don't know, I feel like a lot of the guys who are there, I've, or a lot of guys I've talked to who have been or who are going, like, they, they do it because they want to support the country, but at the same time, they don't, it's not the same, like, dedication to the actual war, you know? And like, well, yeah, it's just a job where that's yeah. where they're sent, you yeah. know? And, and I get that. And a lot of people join the service to get out of situations yeah. that... That you know, do it, and then there's guys who join the service so that they can blow shit up, and those are not my favorite people in the world. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, they're they're trying to. So at least you can bring them some sort of. I get a couple of jokes. I get some jokes. I can tell them. But it was great talking to you. Nice talking to you too. Thanks for having awesome, me. What is it? Tuesday night. It's a Tuesday night. Like, December second. December second. Two thousand eight. Performing now at the M Bar for. Unifem, which is an unfortunately named uh, benefit. Isn't that Unifem? It's a UN feminist organization. That's what I I gathered. Really? You didn't think it was some sort of horrible feminist like hygiene moment? No, maybe maybe a little bit lesbian, but not... Unifem. Unifem, it's a sex doll. We are number one. We are number one. 
No, but I'm actually, I'm looking forward, you know, it's supposed to be a nice event. So, um, it was nice to meet you. It was great talking to you. Thanks for having me. And we will see you maybe in the future next time you do something awesome. Cool. Talk to you. Okay. <laughs>